0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Drinks with Dan, brought to you by the Sideline Network. I'm your host, Dan Coleman. Uh, Today, we're going to do things a little differently. As I'm recording this live, I have a Facebook live stream going. So if you guys have questions about anything I talk about today, go ahead and post them there, and uh, I'll get to it. Today, I am drinking... Spring Ale by Back East, I think that's in Boston. It is a wheat ale with citrus at 5.5%. So today I wanted to be serious and talk about COVID-19, aka coronavirus, aka the end of the world. So um, everybody's kind of freaked out about it. I wanted to give at least an episode to talk about what I know being in the medical field, and uh, what I know um, from college and things like that about um, viruses and uh, easier questions, and go from there. So let me try this beer. Mm -hmm. That's citrusy. Um, That wasn't bad. Um, If I'm giving this the old Portnoy review, I'll get a a, a 7.6, and that'll be that. All right, so COVID nineteen, what is it? So we know it's a virus, right? And it is kind of similar to the flu in that you have some of the same symptoms. So symptoms being a cough, um, predominantly a dry one, and a um, I mean, it, it really depends on your immune system what you have. <sighs> um, really not too sure what's going on with it, and what I mean by that. <sighs> is it, it it's like the flu where it's spread droplet and by that i mean it's in water so every time you cough or sneeze the virus is encapsulated in that and that's the medium that the virus transmits to other humans on so you cough in your hands you sneeze in your hands you cough at a table droplets go somewhere you put your hands down on that and you transmit it to somebody else and now they're sick and what we're seeing with Covid is that, um, and what difference between the regular flu and Covid. So regular flu, it does transmit via the same way, but it only tends to affect like one or two other people in that transmission. And what we're finding is that with Covid, you're infecting like four to five people instead of that one to two. So it is easily susceptible to being transmitted. However, um, it doesn't seem to be as deadly as the flu especially in um, younger people such as myself so um, but with it being so easily transmittable those with a weakened immune system so um, think like anything with a immune system deficiency so um, you're looking at uh, lupus or cancer or things like that old people because their immune systems get weak over time. And we'll go into that a little bit later when I talk about antibodies and antigens and things like that. We're going like totally ninth grade science class here. So, um, we know it came from China. Um, we know that it came from the wu Peninsula or province. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. Um, and we're 96% sure that it came from bats. We're not 100% sure because the issue is that there's a 4% difference between what's in bats and what's in humans, and that 4% difference is what makes us have it. So um, so if it was 100%, the one that was in the bats wouldn't affect us because our genetic makeup is different than bats, obviously. We're not flying around, we don't have echolocation, which would be cool, but we don't. So um, with that being said, um, you know, it, it is... Um, I don't even know. I lost my train of thought. It must be this beer. Um, came from China. Came from bats. Oh, yeah, 4%. So the 4% difference is what made us susceptible to getting it. Um, so we think it came from people eating like bat soup. wasn't cooked all the way. Buyer stayed alive. Went into a human, and then that human spread it around. Um, so the numbers that I have that we think are accurate is that 80,000 people were affected in China, Um, And I say that with a grain of salt because we really don't know what exactly China's numbers are. They tend to hide and mask the actual numbers. So we don't know how bad it's going to get. We can kind of look at Italy and see um, the numbers from there because they're more open about this kind of stuff. They're trying to help out or China wanted to mask it. Um, I, I heard rumors that the whistleblower who said, hey, this is an issue in China has not been heard from. Um, I do know that they tried to silence him. So um, kind of goes to show you that China, being a communist country, um, kind of downplayed the severity of what's going on. So, um, and I as I mentioned about Italy, um, they're going through hell right now. Um, one of the issues that we're seeing is that um, the virus doesn't care if it's hot temperatures, cold temperatures, almost uh, every country in the World has at least a case of this, except for Antarctica. Actually, I take that back. I think Antarctica has one case. Um, but we do see that there's um, it's easily transmitted throughout the world. With doesn't matter, it's hot or cold. Um, so that's what makes us think that it's going to last longer than just a few months. We think it's going to last four, five, eight months before we kind of get this under control. Um, so um, that's that. So, okay, I think I have a bunch of people. Oh, people are joining. I don't have questions yet. If you guys have questions, feel free to ask me, and I'll get to them as I can. Um, as Like I said before, I can't see what's on my screen because my computer's broken. That's why I'm looking at my TV because I have it connected to my TV because I don't know why my Mac's broken, but that's what that is. So, COVID symptoms. All right, I go back. Let me digress. So, the reason why we're freaking out about it is because those that are immunocompromised or um, elder or both are so susceptible. Because, um, you know, think about like nursing homes. So you have 80 to 100 people in an average size nursing home, all of them over the age of, I would say, 55 ish or so. So you have a high cluster of individuals. In one confined area, and if one person gets sick, it's very easily can get spread all throughout. So, um, that's one of the biggest concerns. Another one, obviously, that we're seeing now with the closing of stores and restaurants and things like that like I mentioned, the tables, people coughing, touching things, other people sitting down, table wasn't wiped down or sanitized. I mean, you can still wipe it and it's not going to kill it. We're not too sure as to how long it can stay alive. I've heard up to four days, um, that it can stay alive on a table or things like that, um, and I'd say alive, it's not really alive, and it's not really dead either, um, it's kind of like Frankenstein or any of those guys, because um, it's, it's like a protein and it just kind of wrecks havoc on you, it can reproduce, so it's not totally dead, um, I'm trying to think, of what is that thing that's called where, uh, you can be alive and not dead, um, Frankenstein you guys are like probably gonna kill me um, anyway it's like one of those so we've seen it in blood we've seen it stool um, as poop um, obviously like I said the droplets things like that so um, that's what that is I went over some of the signs symptoms mainly a cough um, so big issue that we're seeing in Italy is the incubation period. So what that means is incubation think about like chickens and how long they have to be in an incubator for they have to cook right so the virus has to cook. So before it can release havoc it's got to cook. So um, right now we're thinking it's probably 14 days we're not 100% sure Um, but that seems to be about the average time that it takes for you to get the virus, and then for that virus to duplicate and duplicate and duplicate inside your body to then show symptoms of that cough or that fever. So, um, you know, after between 10 and 14 days, if you haven't shown signs or symptoms of it and you have been exposed, you're probably okay. Um, And that test that we're, or tests, plural, that we're running, there's a couple different kinds, um, which I don't know if I can go into because... It's like way above my head, so I don't know how I can break it down for everybody, but the um, the test that we're running, it, your your body has to be over a certain threshold. So if you just get exposed and you have one little virus in your body, and it's just floating around, you know, it's going through your bloodstream, whatever, the test is not going to pick it up. The test has to pick it up once it kind of mat- like combines and combines, multiplies, and it sits somewhere, like your nose or your mouth and that's why people get like the runny nose and the cough and things like that because that's where the virus likes to kind of hang out so that's when we take the swab put it up your nose and try to grow it and see if something comes and if we do then we know hey you're positive Um, so if you get stuck today or you get exposed to it today you're probably not going to show signs or symptoms of it until that two-week period hits um, and that's that So the things with Italy, it just kept spreading and spreading, and people didn't know they were sick until it was too late, because you don't show signs and symptoms until that multiplication of the viruses um, makes itself known. So you're just living your daily life, and all of a sudden you're sick. Well, the last five days and everywhere you went, you know, bars, restaurants, movie theaters, things like that, everybody that sat in that seat or, you know, shook hands with you, could possibly be infected with it, so that's um, that's kind of how it spreads. Because it is droplet, so um, it's basically in your saliva at that point. Um, like I said earlier, the symptoms kind of depend on a couple things: how old you are, like I mentioned, and as well as um, your immune system functionality, and they range from mild such as just a dry cough and that's it and that's seen in about 81 percent of the population that has this so 81 percent of people all they have is just like a cough goes to severe and critical which is found about 20 percent so 80 percent is mild the last 20 is either severe or critical severe being you're really short of breath you're hypoxic which means you don't have enough oxygen circulating through your body and about 50% 50% or more of your lung is, um, is damaged or has this virus in it. Um, critical is about 5% of the population, and that's when you get the respiratory failure or um, shock or sepsis. So sepsis is like an infection that um, has multiple organs that fail. So you're thinking liver and kidneys or lungs, liver, kidneys, or however you want to mention it. So a bunch of body systems are affected. And honestly, the U.S.'s um, rate for fixing things once you hit um, shock or sepsis, you only have like a 1 in 5 chance of actually surviving sepsis, which is really, really sad. Um, So right now, as the entire world, the fatality rate is about 2.3%. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, that's not bad, but if I had had 100 M&Ms in a bowl... And I knew that two of them had cyanide in them and were going to kill me. Would you eat the M&Ms? Probably not. I mean, if you're a risk taker, sure, have one or two. Why not? But would you eat all of them? And that's kind of where we are as to that 2.3% is affecting those that have the um, autoimmune compromised or um, the elderly and things like that. So um, it it also depends on the kind of health care that you have. So... China might have had a higher fatality rate than Italy because of the healthcare and the logistical issues there were. I know like China ended up building hospitals uh in like 4 days or whatever just to deal with the amount of patients that they had. Um Italy already had the hospitals but they ran out of space, they ran out of doctors, they ran out of nurses. And I'll get into that in a little bit. Um so um it really depends on where you are to see like how fatal it is and the effects of medicine. I'll get right into it. There are really no medicines for it. There are certain antivirals out there, um, but we really don't know if they work or not. It's kind of like the flu. So you get the flu, and you're given a prescription of Tamiflu. It's still not going to fix the flu. The cure rate of Tamiflu only dials down your symptoms of the flu by one and a quarter days. So all it does is shorten the length of the flu that you have. So, um, the antivirus that we have out there aren't really too effective in dealing with this. Um, so, a lot of people that are younger can carry it and have no idea they have it. So, they don't even have the cough or the um, the fever, things like that. But they have enough of the virus in them that they can spread it to others. So, that's what we call asymptomatic. So, A meaning without, symptomatic meaning symptoms. So, without symptoms. Um, so... There are. We don't know how many cases this is, but we do know that this is happening because, you know, we see this with like colleges in Italy. So college kid has it. They don't know they have it. They bring it home, or they go to their family and they go see grandma or grandpa. Now they have it, but they didn't travel out of the country. But their grandson or granddaughter did, and they went to China for studying abroad, and they somehow got it without actually getting the symptoms. So, that's kind of how that's working. So, um, let's go over the main symptoms. 99% of people with this have a fever. Um, so, textbook says, and they're changing this, normal temperature is 98.6. Is that a range? No. Like, is my temperature right now 98.6? Absolutely not. I'm wearing long-sleeve and shorts. I uh, had a look, sorry. Um, so... Um, You know, if I'm going out in the Sahara right now, my temperature's not going to be 98.6. So fever, it's technically classified at anything over 100.5 as a fever. If you have a temperature of 99, I don't care. I mean, I really don't. You have a temperature of 100 Really don't care unless you had a temperature above 100.5 at one point then I'll say yeah okay you had a temperature and you took Tylenol and it broke so you had a fever or you're having a fever um, fatigue is common in 70% of the patients so you know you're feeling weak you know your muscles ache things like that dry cough dry cough in about 60% of people so 6 out of 10 people say they have a cough that's not productive um, people become anorexic um, 40% of the people and then trouble breathing 31% and that's where you're getting the more severe things and then Only in another 27% so almost 30% you're getting um, sputum production. So you're actually coughing up something. So um, You will not be getting diarrhea however. That is not a symptom. If you have diarrhea You have something else going on with you. You have a GI bug. You have maybe the flu. Maybe not. Probably not um, So all that toilet paper that you stocked up on kind of useless. All right um, what else do I want to talk about? Um, so, studies that we do, we've had issues with doing viral testing, and I don't want, I'm not going to go into the politi- politics about it because this is too important, um, but long story short, we didn't have enough tests, and the tests that we did have were run by the CDC. So that's great. And Things like weird things that you can't figure out. Like, you remember the show House, and, you know, they were running all sorts of tests that you have no idea what it is. That's kind of like what the CDC does on a daily basis. You have things that you have no idea what they are, and you don't need to put a million tests all throughout the U.S. because there's just not a million cases of it, you know. So uh, it was great for Ebola, too. You know, you, you tested somebody, and then you brought the blood to the CDC, and they would test it. And that worked out. It was cost-effective, you know, you didn't have to have a million tubes and a million um, test kits for something that you're never gonna see. So it made sense at the time. However, this thing really ballooned out of proportion really quick. So the CDC had the test, they didn't even have enough, and then they had to figure out like, hey, how are we gonna test for this? How are we gonna, you know, get more tests, things like that. And that's finally when we saw States starting to have their own test kits brought to them by the CDC, so they kind of took them from Atlanta and spread them all out across the country, and then they were given test kits. So Connecticut, I know offhand, had 1,200 test kits or 1,200 tests. They had two test kits, so each test kit could hold 600 tests. So all of Connecticut had 1,200 tests, tests at one point. That has since changed, but I don't know exact numbers because nobody's telling me. I mean, who the hell Dan Coleman Nobody wants to tell Dan Coleman. So, um, tests are finally coming out, and now there are more tests done by um, both Quest and LabCorp. So now um, you can go and get this test. All it is is a total of four nasal swabs, two in each nose, nostril, not nose, you don't have four noses, two in each nostril, and then um, sent to the lab. I've seen results as fast as eight hours, and I've seen results take three to four days so it really depends on the lab it depends on the logistics of it like I don't know once I take the tubes and I send them I don't know if somebody has to physically get in a car and drive it to a certain quest or lab core to get it done I don't know if there's one in the hospital I really don't know how that works Um, but that's how it's getting done right now Um, CT scans they have they can or cannot show symptoms of it. Um, So we tend to see things in the lower lobes. So there's three lobes of lung on the left side of you, or sorry, on the right side of you, two on your left, because your heart's in there. There's only two spaces. So in the lower lobes on both sides, you'll see stuff, um, potentially white, white little... Um, kind of looks like glass, um, and that's where we would see something. But that's it's time, kind of hard to differentiate it between pneumonia or something like that. So we have to test for pneumonia or the regular flu, and then we can kind of say, well, it's not the flu and it's not pneumonia, so we could test for COVID and see if it's that. And that's kind of where we are right now. And where I'm having issues with that with my job is that Say somebody has the flu, we test them, they have the flu, it's positive, cool. We let them go and give them Tamiflu and say, yeah, hey, it'll be, it's gonna suck for a week. Drink water, hydrate, you know. But they could still have COVID, and we're not testing that because we're like, all right, it's the flu, let's send them out, but they could still have it, and we're just not testing for it. So I think that's going to change here in a few weeks once we get more test kits and we can actually say, you know, can you have both the flu and uh, COVID? So that. That's something that's to be determined uh, way above Dan Coleman's pay grade. So um, as of right now, we're starting to test more before you had to um, have symptoms of it and then we would have to call the Department of Public Health and they would have to come and physically do the test, take it to their lab, analyze it, and take days. Meanwhile the patient's now on a ventilator, um, and I'll get into ventilators here in a few minutes. But um, so you'd have the patient on a ventilator, and then honestly the treatment doesn't really you can do the test, right? And if you have it, cool, but that doesn't really change the treatment. It all it changes like the prognosis. So prognosis mean like how are you gonna live with it? Um, the actual like I said, there's no cure for it. There's no real treatment. So we're going to give broad, um, like, antivirals and fluids and try to fix other things like pH and sodium, potassium, things like that, like different electrolytes, on top of, you know, breathing for them with um, use of a respirator. Or a, a um, yeah, that'll, I mean a respirator, sure. Um, that's what's going on with that. Um, so we talked about lab testing. Um, so prevention Uh, actually we'll go back to lab testing so there are will be if there isn't already I mean I know where I am there's already a drive-up test so you can go up to the hospital and drive through like McDonald's and get a temperature check get the swabs and go on your way however comma you can't just do that you need to have a prescription from a doctor it's no different than you you showing up at Core Quest and saying I want a CBC they're gonna say okay cool go get a doctor's prescription because that's what you need to get that drawn and this is no different you need as of right now anyway you need a doctor's prescription in order to get this test so um, there will be more um, drive-throughs coming in the few uh, upcoming weeks however um, I don't know logistics on how that's working Um, I know with us and our ER we're seeing stuff however just because that drive-through exists doesn't mean that people still aren't coming to the ER because I can't tell you how many dozens of patients I've seen over the last few days that we have to rule out COVID so we have to wear the gowns the masks um, the shields everything um, and we'll talk about that and ventilator. Let me write that down. Vents and masks, because we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, if you guys have any questions, just feel free to shoot them out at me, and I'll look them up. Um, I do have three comments. Um, oh, people are actually talking about me. Apparently I'm supposed to say hi. Okay, cool. Um, so, that's what's going on with that. Um, so, if you are positive, like I said, you could transmit it up to four people so you are positive, you bring it home. that whole house needs to be quarantined um quarantined because um like I said, it's so easily transmittable so um you don't you if you don't go home, you spread it to your mom, she goes to work, and she spreads it to poor people at her work, and then it just obviously perpetuates so um you wanna practice hand hygiene, obviously, so washing your hands for 20 seconds, cough into your elbow, things like that. Um, When you go to a hospital, you're going to see us wearing at least gowns, gloves, and a mask with eye or face protection. So you're going to see, basically, the whites around my eyes, and um, that's about it. Um, And that's just because it's so easily transmittable, and like I said, if you cough on me... I'm going to get it, and then I'm going to spread it to somebody else. And we're seeing that um, not following the correct PPE or protective personal equipment um, that we're now transmitting to other patients. In Connecticut and New York today, 200 nurses are currently quarantined. So we're having a nursing shortage right now because they were exposed, and there's not enough tests to test the nurses and staff, and now... Um, those people are now out of work and can't take care of all of the sick that we're getting, and it's just going to perpetuate. So um, you're going to see us wearing that. Um, you're probably going to be in a room by yourself. Um, you may or may not be allowed visitors because of you know hospital policy and how um, easily spread this is. Um, I mean, I guess I'll talk about it because we're seeing so much of this these patients. We're having a really short a really short supply of equipment that we can use you know when this whole thing started we had a finite amount of masks and gloves and gowns and we were prepared for you know the flu and tuberculosis and things like that that we see commonly but not in the way that we're seeing this so every time i go into a room i have to put on all of these equipment and then i have to take them off when i when i'm leaving that room and then to go to another room i have to put on more and then that's just me and then we have the doctors and the other nurses and then the respiratory therapists and then you have the phlebotomists and the x-ray techs and all of these people are entering this patient's room and every time you have to put on and take off or donning and doffing this kind of equipment so right now we're really short on the N95s. N95 just means it filters 95 percent of whatever's around you um, which are really great when you breathe in it, it feels like you're you're not taking full breath because you're passing through all of these filters. issue with that is they're a little more expensive, they're a lot more expensive, I should say, than regular surgical masks, like the paper masks that you see on, you know, scrubs and house and all those medical shows. So right now, the CDC is recommending that we just use those. And the issue is that if a patient has this, that mask is doing absolutely nothing for us. So now we're being exposed. And then, if we pop positive, then we have to go in quarantine, and pretty soon there's going to be no more nurses, which we're seeing now in Italy with the issues that they're having with the doctors and the nurses, that they can't take care of anybody because they've been exposed, and then that's also perpetuating the problem. So um, another issue is ventilators. I mean, as it stands right now, ventilators are already a hot commodity in the um, hospital because, number one, they're so expensive. Number two, they're big. They look like mini-fridges frid- mini in most cases. And um, they're just, um, you can't get them a dime a dozen. It's its um, really sad. So I was watching a video yesterday on YouTube about studies that have been done where you can actually hook up to four patients to one ventilator. And there hasn't been actually any real-life scenario of that. However, um it has been done in studies that show, like, if you have four people that need to go on a ventilator, you can. However, those four people need to be about the same body structure. They need to have the same lung capacity. There's a whole bunch of things. You can't just put Grandma Sue and Uncle Joe on one ventilator because their body might be different. You know, think about weight, height, things like that. Lung expansion. I'm not going to go into tidal volume and peep and all that stuff. So, um, there are different um, things that we can do to kind of help. However, like I said, there hasn't been any studies done to show that you're going to get like a ventilator-associated pneumonia with it, or VAP as we call it. Um, so that's one way of looking at it. In a pinch, you can use one respirator for more than one patient. Or you really don't want to because, like I said, no study's been done, and there could be a lot of um, spreading of bacteria, viruses, things like that. So um, if you're just going to the grocery store, do you need to wear this? Um, so No. Now, if you're going to a grocery store, you don't need to wear any of these things. Um, I think there was a picture of somebody in the uh, Walmart in Lisbon today wearing a whole Tyvek suit. Um, probably not going to happen. Um, we're not there yet. I don't think we will be. So, no. Um, let me see. So, until we get confirmation that you don't have this. Um, you're still gonna be under these kind of precautions. And that's just standard precautions because with what's going on, we don't know how bad it is. Um, we're kind of in that phase of uncertainty. So, um, and even if you do, so say you tested for, we, we did all these tests and we did the flu, you're negative for the flu, but you still have um, RSV. You're still gonna be on the precautions because that's the same precautions that we're wearing for this. Um, it's kind of like how, we are supposed to treat everybody like they have an infection. Um, to protect yourself, we're kind of doing that with this. Um, any other questions? Um, don't die. We miss you. Yes, thank you. Um, so, I'm going to try not to die. Don't worry, guys. Um, stay safe. Doing great. things. Cool. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the support. So, what else do we want to talk about? Um, no antibody. So, why is this such a big deal? So, the reason this is a really big deal is because it's called a novel virus, and that meaning that it's new. So, nobody in the world has antibodies against this. So, again, ninth grade, I'll well, we'll say it's 11th grade science class here. So, um, you have antibodies and antigens. Um, so your body produces antibodies to go against antigens. So antigens can be anything foreign from you getting a splinter uh, in your finger. You got a piece of wood in there. It's a foreign body. Your body is going to produce uh, immune response to that. So you're going to have white blood cells go to the area. You're going to have uh, platelets go to the area to stop the bleeding. Um, and you're going to have helper B cells and T cells and things like that. Um, go to the area to kind of help prevent infection and stop bleeding, things like that. This is no different than that because this virus is a foreign thing coming into your body. So what, you, um, what you'll see are what are called um, antibodies, and they kind of um, kind of help fight the infection. They, it's like a lock and key mechanism, if you guys remember that. So your body shows this foreign object. It tries to find different keys. Well, right now nobody has keys because we don't have. We've never seen this before, so that's why it's so imperative that we get a vaccine for this. Um, so we get the. If we. Um, so say you get this viral thing, your body will produce memory B cells, and what those do are like they say. Okay, we we know what this is. We know how to fight it. We know how to beat it. Um, so we are going to create more cells to fight this infection, bacteria, whatever you want to call it. So in this case, a virus. So um, if you get exposed to it again, you'll have a decreased likelihood of showing symptoms because your body is like, "Hey, I recognize you. You're Jose. We're gonna we're gonna kick you out of here. Get out of here, Jose. No way, right?" So that's how that works. Um, and what we do with um, vaccines is try to put something dead in you. So like tetanus, we'll put, or actually tetanus is a good example. Um, Let me think of um, the flu. All right. So we're going to give you a flu shot of a dead or weakened strain of the flu with just a little piece of it. And we say, you know, we're we're, we're sure that this piece isn't going to cause you any harm, but it's exactly what the flu looks like. So your body can start attacking that and getting those memory b cells in there to say like hey this is what we have this is what we're showing we're going to go in there and kick your ass so um vaccines try to elicit that response so that way you have the immunity to anything that comes up that looks like that so five ten years later hey jose i remember you get the hell out of here All right so um issue with vaccines is um that they don't last forever um That's why you have to get a tetanus shot every 10 years. Um, That's why you had to get, well, for other reasons as well, you had to get three different types of the measles, mumps, and rubella um, vaccines. Um, And then for the flu, and this is kind of similar to that, where we saw the mutation and the flu virus mutates every year. So that's why you need to get a new flu shot every year um, to help prevent getting the flu. So that's that. Obviously we have no antibodies, like I said so that's that Uh, what questions do you guys have for me are there are kids that have asthma at risk that's a great question Suzanne so um, yes yes I would say that they're at risk so because they have issues with breathing already if they were exposed to um, this virus they're gonna have bigger more issues getting rid of it Kids also, like I said, they're younger. They have a better immune response, and they seem to have not be showing as many symptoms as this. So, um, it's like a double sort. I, I don't. I want. To, I can't say for sure. Like, no, they're they're not affected. But I would be worried, um, and that's kind of why they're not having schools um, in session right now for that reason. Um, where do babies come from? The stork. Duh. Um, so. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, kids are definitely at risk, and they're really at risk too. For like I said, bringing it home to um, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, especially like those kids that be are are babysat. Um, you have to worry about you know them bringing something home to grandma, and grandpa while mom and dad are at work, and now grandma, and grandpa are on a bed and event um, for the next few uh, weeks trying to fight this. So excellent question. Um, so there is a vaccine in the works and as of today, I believe they test they injected the first injection in 45 people and, um, this is a phase one trial. So there are four different phases of a vaccine. So like before phase one, they did the testing and they kind of, um, looked at the little virus and they said you know all right what can we take from this that's not going to have an immune response um what can we do like um how safe is this potentially um what's the toxic um issues that we might have with it and then um we go into once that's all approved and we think like hey that's cool we'll go to the fda or not me but people will go to the fda and say like hey we want to give this or start this vaccine trial um you know, this is kind of what we're looking for. This is what we're trying to do. And usually between the research and phase one takes at least six months. And then for this, obviously things have been rushed because of how um, dangerous this potentially could be. So it kind of got pushed up, which is not a bad thing by any means. I'm not saying that it's bad. However, the... Um, um, it's just been rushed, um, so it, it may not work. We might have done all the research. We might have forgot to cross a T or dot an I, and this whole thing could, could be kaput. But let's hope it's not. So phase one started today. I think they're doing three um, injections of it. That doesn't mean that we're going to get three injections once this finally comes out. What they need to do is find out what is the minimum doses that we need to get an immune response that we can say that we are producing antibodies against this antigen. So, um, this usually takes um, a few tries to get it right. So, that's phase one. Um, Phase two, we say, um, we we say like, okay, we think it takes two doses of it. So, we'll give you two doses of it. And then we look for um, how good it works. So, we look for how good it works and the side effects of that. And there, we probably do between a hundred and three hundred people I don't know if this is gonna be bigger because obviously we want to get this done faster we want to see faster results things like that because um, usually with phase one um, you see a, short, a smaller sample size than this but because obviously this is so important we're doing a bigger sample size so um, phase two I, I would personally think that we're gonna see up to like 500 people from phase two but I don't know when that's gonna be um, it could be six months from now um, because I would, I would think it would be th- at least three to four months to get an immune response and to go from there. So phase two kind of looks at side effects. Um, phase three looks for safety things. Um, so that's where they really, um, they really determine um, that, hey, this is working. We're seeing the effects that we want. We're seeing that people are building up the antibodies to this and that we're kind of on the right track here. Um, and that's where you're going to see a lot of a lot more people. You're going to see 10 times the amount you usually do. You're going to see, you know, like, 2,000 people signing up for this thing to um, be volunteers to get this injection and to see how safe it is for a mass scale um, and to check the effectiveness of it. And then Phase 4, is uh, so once Phase 3 gets approved, it's basically approved. Um We know it it basically works. Um, And then phase four is continuing watching it. So every time you get a a shot, you have to um, obviously before you get the shot, you have to fill out like, are you feeling okay? Do you have a fever? Has anybody been sick? Are you sick? Do you have a cough? Things like that. So that way we know that before you get the shot, the shot didn't cause anything that goes wrong with you. So, um, and then uh, phase four. We look at how well did this work like hey you got the shot did you get sick hey you got the shot you got sick how did you get sick why did you get sick is the shot actually working and that's continuously ongoing and that takes sometimes up to ten years I don't think that's gonna happen in this case but that's just Dan Coleman's clinical judgment Um, I think you're gonna see that in about a year time if phase 1 and 2 work Um, so like I said if this doesn't work at all then we're gonna have to go back to the drawing board and go from there. Um, so that's kind of vaccines on that. Um, you're welcome. So, uh, what else do I want to talk about? So, it like I said, it is different than the flu. Um, it's very similar. Um, people don't have immune systems to it. Um, it is more infectious, like I said. Deadly's questionable. I mean, the flu kills sixty thousand people in the US a year. Nobody's talking about it. This has killed, I wanna say three hundred, but don't quote me on that as of today. Um I haven't gotten updated numbers. Um so this is definitely not there. However, it has because it's so infectious, it has the op- opportunity to um to infect a lot more people and to bring that number from the 3 to 5% way up that I mentioned earlier. So um, that's what is going on with that. Um, the best thing that you can do right now, stay the hell home. I mean, listen to these quarantines. I, I honestly think that it's... There's going to be more quarantines coming, and it's gonna be. You're gonna see domestic flight travels canceled. Um, you're gonna see states kind of shutting their borders and saying, "Hey, we're gonna contain this. You can't go to their that state unless you're going to go to a hospital and go work, or you're going to some important job that you cannot go to." Um, you know, we've already seen movie theaters and public transportation things like that get shut down, and um, I think it's it's gonna get. Worse, I think two weeks is not going to be enough. I think that you might, and I'd be prepared for there being no school until next August or this August. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see like, hey, we're just not going to have school in session, you know. Um, and I don't know the logistics of that. I know like Connecticut waived the 180 school day policy, so that way you can have less and you still get out on time. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if you know they just say you're not coming back. I know some colleges already have. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see that schools are that far off um, yeah I, I don't know um, stay the hell home is your best thing you could do if you have to go out wash your hands if you can't wash your hands use Purell and if you can't use Purell make some all it is is rubbing alcohol and aloe vera I mean literally just put them together mix them up. Um, 70% alcohol I believe um, Mix them, and then from there, you have your own Purell, because I know that they have been sold out, but I did read that Amazon is starting to restock medically necessary things such as that, and they're also um, stocking housing things that you're going to need as well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you know we're in quarantine for a month um, just to stop this. Um, I kind of hope that we are, because I have a trip planned in May, and I want to go. So I need this shit to be gone. So... Um, Um, that's what I'm going to say about that. Stay the hell home. Um, if you have to go out, wash your hands. If you can't wash your hands, use Purell. Um, don't go to nursing homes, please. Like I I saw a picture online of, um, this person going to their nursing home to spend time with their mom and they open the window and I'm like, what's the point of having quarantine if you're just going to open the window and sit right in front of the window and have your mom sitting right there. Yes. It looks cute for a picture. Guess what? You just killed mom. So good job. Kudos to you, bro. No, don't do it. Stay home. Use a phone. Call grandma if you need to. Um, call the nursing home. Have the nurse call you and talk to your mom or grandma, whoever. Stay the hell home. Um, uh, if you got any more questions, let me know. Um, I'm in Tennessee, and they just ra- raised our state of emergency more than Friday. Right now, I have to work, but I'm sure they will soon shut down. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you see states shut down altogether. Um, I'm not an expert in that by any means. I'm just immersed in. I have no idea. Um, I wouldn't like. I, said, I wouldn't be surprised to you see all states shut down, and the only people on the streets are idiots like me. That's going to work the front lines of this because um, it really is like a war. It kind of it kind of has the same feeling of that. Like you're, you're putting boots on and putting your foot in the ground and going. Um, you know, it's no different than you getting ready for battle and putting on your kevlar vest and getting your m4 and going out there i mean this is really very similar to that um um, if you can stay home stay home if you can't work um don't or if you cannot work don't um i I really think that you're going to see the federal government step in and, and make sure that people get paid um so i wouldn't be too worried about that it might take time i'd work with landlords and things like that but again i'm not an expert in that by any means Um, But I would definitely um, not work as as long as you can, especially if you have um, a a big family. So, you know, you have more than um, four people in your house and um, you have somebody that's immunocompromised or um, something similar. How much hand sanitizer can I drink without getting sick? Liquor stores are closed. So for you, Ryan, um, just drink all of it and then chug bleach for the um, chaser and you'll be good to go. Yeah, no, just kidding. Don't drink hand sanitizer. This is not um, a Tide Pod Challenge. I did see somebody do the Corona Challenge. I'm not endorsing this. Apparently the Corona Challenge is you lick airplane seats. But again, I'm pretty sure that this is going to um, ban air traffic altogether for like at least 30 days. Um. so I just don't I want to make sure I hit all the points I wanted to um, pregnant women there really hasn't been a lot of information I'm looking at it right now from um, up to date which is a great resource for medical professionals um, written by medical professionals it's kind of like Wikipedia but by doctors for doctors Specifically, says minimal information is available regarding COVID during pregnancy. Um, there hasn't been any um, interuterine transmission identified, um, but there's only been about um, 18 women that were suspected or confirmed of having it, but there's been no transmission of it going to the neonate. With that being said, you know this only has a 2% fatality rate, so what if 2% of cases are transmitted through um, placenta or through birth? We don't know that. So if you're, and I'm saying this now, um, I think there's going to be a huge surge in the population in nine months, and if COVID's not gone by then, we're going to have a lot more data on that. Um, so all these nurses that are are coming back into the field that's been retired, I think we're going to need them in nine months to help work labor and delivery. Um, so pregnant, like we we don't know, we don't n- think it's going through breast milk, but we're not sure. Um, Obviously, if you stay home and you stay quarantined and everybody else stays quarantined, then there's no chance that you're going to get the virus because it's not going to your neighbor's house and then walking the little virus legs down three feet. You know, it will get six feet, though. So if you stay home, you're not going to get it. You don't have to worry about it. Um, Let me see if there's anything else I want to add. Testing should become more available. Um, once um, more money gets put into it, um, and obviously, time it's going to take weeks to build up the stockpile that we need. However, with that being said, um, it is becoming more available that I've seen. I mean, just in the last few days, um, we've seen, like I said, go from anywhere between eight hours to get a result to you know, three to four days. Um, If you can please um support the people that are going out there listen to them listen to the cdc i wouldn't be surprised that we see um, a mandatory vaccine um forced by the government about this Um, you know just like they do for kids going to school you're probably going to need to get this before kids go back to school and things like that um i'm trying to think the h1n1 vaccine i don't know I, i think it was required for schools i know i had to get it in the military um so, um, I, I, I would I would assume that you're going to end up being mandatory vaccined before society kind of returns to normal. Um, and unfortunately, this is going to be the new normal for um, at least a month. And I hope it's shorter than that. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong about this. Um, I said on my podcast two weeks ago. I wish I, I did. I don't know enough about it. And now that I'm Two weeks into this, and I know a little bit more about it. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Um, again, if, if anybody has any questions about this, shoot shoot me a message because uh, I'm gonna wrap it up here in a minute. Um, uh, let's see. Um, we went over doses of that information for patients. Um, 80,000 cases in China. Um, it's kind of crazy. Um, it started in January, or late January 2020. It's called COVID-19 because it was first discovered in November of 2019. Like I said, the whistleblower, who has later been arrested and never heard from again in China, um, found it. So it's year 19, but it really came around in twenty. And it was finally classified in March of 2020. Um, I think I said on my podcast two weeks ago before it was classified as a pandemic, like, hey, this is already a pandemic. So, hey, I kind of know what I'm talking about, right? Um, if anybody you should always think that this could be COVID until it's ruled out. So especially if you have the fever or um, the cough, especially and especially if you have been in an airport or airplane, um and you've been in close contact with somebody, because all that is just recirculated air. I mean, they do have filters. I think they're H-E-P-A filters. However, that's not um, good enough for something like this, so you're just breathing recirculated garbage air. Um, And they're like, well, I didn't really travel anywhere. Um, I just went to Florida, and I'm like, oh, and you don't think that somebody else didn't go from somewhere else um, while you were on that plane? No. Oh, yeah, well, you did, asshole. So... um, you know, think outside the box when we ask you these kind of questions. Um, you know, it, the possibility of you having it is there. Um, and like I said, hopefully, in most people, you have, you might have it, and you don't even know it, and then it kind of resolves, and your body fights it, and we go on our merry, happy lives for the next few uh, years, hopefully, you know? Um, you know. I don't think that this is... Um, the Spanish flu, not so fun fact, Spanish flu was only called Spanish flu because the Spaniards were the only ones to actually say, like, hey, we got the flu here, and it's uh, killing everybody because of the um, World War One, nobody wanted to associate themselves with it. So it was already in France and Germany, and nobody wanted to say shit. So kudos for you, Spain. Um, so we talked about infection control measures such as you know. Um, you know, don't wear gloves to Walmart. You're just inducing people that are freaked out that aren't listening to Dan's podcast and um, don't know what's going on. Uh, like I said the Tyvek suit in Walmart today probably not necessary at this point. Um, you know this is not um, anything that's terrible. However, I I, mentioned, I made this analogy earlier. This is something like Chernobyl. Um, this is that kind of response, you know. This is not past Three Mile Island. This is now a Chernobyl. We um, have to stop this before it gets out of hand. And uh, you know, Chernobyl had the possibility of tearing up the world. If you haven't seen Chernobyl on HBO, just definitely watch it. Um, true facts, true statement. Um, however, um, this is j- kind of like that. We're kind of in a dire need. That we need to stop this now before it gets too far. And you see the. Um, the average age drop in all of the world um, wash hands I saw I talked about that respiratory hygiene cover your cough we talked about that so if anybody has any questions I'll answer them um, what are the ideas for alternative standard PPE when we come out in a month? Yeah, so that's the issue that we're having, uh, Ryan. So great question. So I kind of mentioned that earlier. We're using regular masks instead of N95s. We're, we, every day it kind of changes as to what kind of PPE we're going to wear, uh, which is really frustrating. Um, you know, when, I, when we first got it, it was wear N95s, wear uh, the face shields, and now it's wear face shields but wipe them in between patients to try to, um, you know, not use as many of them. Um, N95s wear up to five times um, in rooms. I don't know that that's effective. I think that once you wear it and take it off, you're kind of breaking the seal of it. Um, Granted, it's not a big seal, but there's a piece of metal that clips over your nose, and if you're um, constantly bending that on and off your face, eventually it's not going to have the integrity to hold there anymore. so um, yeah, mask gowns and eyewear are disappearing quick. You're not wrong. So the eyewear, is, I, I personally don't mind washing the eyewear um, because it's plastic. Um, the gowns and gloves, I, I mean, if we run out of gloves, that's awful because we're we, not. This isn't sterile gloves. You don't need sterile gloves. You just need regular um, latex or neoprene, whatever kind of gloves you have. Um, you don't need sterile gloves for any of this unless you're doing something invasive. You know, central lines. Um, Accessing a port, things like that. Um, So I'm not too worried about gloves. And then the mask. (sighs) Dan Coleman's personal opinion about this is that that the CDC is currently saying, just use a regular mask because, hey, N95s are expensive and we're running out. So just use a regular mask because some mask is better than nothing. Now, do I have any sort of factual information about that? Absolutely not. But it makes a lot of sense to me that this is happening. Um, So... And I I see where they're coming from. However, eventually if the regular mask isn't working and we're running out of nurses and doctors and PAs and NPs and respiratory therapists, like we're screwed. And um you know, that's kinda um where we go from there. Why are we so underprepared? I wish I could give you an answer for that. And um Um so there is a strategic stockpile of Things for bioterrorism and things like that, um, but and I, I don't, like I said, I don't want to get in the politics of it, but um, cause that's just gonna piss off a lot of people and they're gonna stop listening to me, and I'm trying to keep this as apolitical as I can. Um, I, I don't know. Um, the the one of the reasons we were so under under-prepared is that this virus happened quick and it spread quick. We weren't ready for how easily transmittable it was. Like I said, the flu, you can spread it to maybe one or two other people. This you're giving to four to six people because it's just so easily transferred. So that was one of the big reasons. Obviously, looking at this compared to 1917, we have air travel, where in 12 hours I can be in a different you know, continent. And it's just so easy to travel. And because the incubation time was so long, I was—I could travel and I didn't know that I was sick. And now everybody's sick. So... um that's some of the reasons. Um, like I said, hospitals are already, their budget's are already razor thin, so we're not going to stockpile vents just in case because they're so expensive. I mean, each ventilator is probably $25,000, if not more. And why would we stock up on them? Like, we want to keep the bare minimum needed, and if we need more, we'll contact another hospital and be like, hey, can we borrow some? Hey, let's go rent some from X, Y, and Z company. But now we're at the point where, like, we're going to need them and there's not going to be any available. Now, from the conferences that I've heard online and seen on TV with the um, president and the COVID task force, I think they're calling themselves that they have a stockpile of um, ventilators. However, um, they don't want to release them just yet. I really think that they're going to have to, I mean, if you're asking me, we have the world's best military. I know. Cause I was there um, there. Like if I was down there doing screenings, um, or I wasn't personally, but we were doing screenings on um, when Obama was president, when uh, people were coming over from Mexico and there was all those sick people, we would go down there. This is no different than what, activating the military for this. Um, we have MASH tents, so um, military hospitals that we can set up in a matter of a couple days, and have beds. We have... Um, military nurses medics that would all do it we have military doctors we have the public health service we have the national institute of health we have the cdc these are all federal responses that um fema that can all help out with this um i wouldn't be surprised if in the coming days that you see more activation of that i hope so because this is an all hands on deck we need literally everybody to be working together on this to um kind of solve this issue like if five people don't want to go home don't want to stay home and get everybody sick we're just perpetuating this problem so that's um one of the issues thanks bj i heard this virus was genetically modified what are your thoughts i read a report today that is not true at all like i mentioned earlier in the podcast that um this virus has a 96% um confirmed um uh, with certainty that it came from a bat and it was um it, it I mean, genetically mutated but not modified this is not done um um, by any government agency, um, things like that. This is not a bio weapon. I mean, every country has this. Um, I mean, if, if this was genetically modified, it, modified, wouldn't we have a vaccine somewhere and be like, hey, we got a vaccine that could cost you a million dollars a pop for it? I mean, that would be something that would have happened. So, no, I think this is natural, um, just like. The flu is natural, things like that. It just happened to be in bats, and it made the transition from bats to human, kind of like how swine flu went from um, pigs to humans, and how the bird flu went from or avian flu went from birds to humans as well. I mean, um, viruses mutate because they want to be able to infect hosts as easily as they can. So, um, in order to do that, they they mutate, they change their DNA just a little bit, and then. Um, they try to get into different hosts, or animals, or humans, or whatever you have, and um, that way they are able to, you know, spread and infect more people. So um, that's kind of my thoughts on that. So um, it's been an hour. Anybody has any last questions, concerns, comments, bitches, gripes, moans? Let me know. Um, it was a pleasure doing this. I'm glad I was able to answer personal questions that you guys might have. Um, obviously, I, I can do another one of these in the future once um, once uh, we, we get a little more information, things like that. I can give you stories from the front line. Um, so I, I definitely don't mind doing that because um, I definitely think that people need to be aware of the issues that we have. Um, people have always eaten bats. This came out of nowhere. Makes us think. Yeah, I mean, things always... I'm trying to think of something that comes out of nowhere that affect people. I mean, HIV. Uh, HIV came out of nowhere. Um, that was not um, something that was genetically modified. You know, it came from monkeys and it made the leap from monkeys to humans, and then here we are. Um, I don't think a monkey fucker did this. You know, I think that um, somebody was around it and got exposed, and here we are. Um, so things like that. Um, so I guess that's going to be it for us today. Uh, again, if you have any more questions, feel, feel free to message me. Um, I'll be happy to try to find you an answer if I don't know it. I'm not, the, I'm not an expert in this by any means, but I have a little bit of knowledge in healthcare field and what's going on in the world. Um, so that'll be it for me today. Uh, thanks for listening to Drinks with Dan. Check out the rest of the guys on the Sideline Network. Uh, we have the Rich O'Lala Show. We have um, a Rich O'Balala. Sports talk. We have or La Valley sports talk. The Rich Owers rant, and then uh, soon to be baseball. But I don't know. I got to talk to the guys about that because baseball season's been postponed. So, gotta figure that out. So, um, thanks for joining me with everybody, and I hope to do it again soon. Actually, I don't. I don't want to do this again soon. Actually.